I'm Dr. Tracy Marks, board-certified psychiatrist, and I believe mental health does not have to be a mystery. So I create educational videos on mental health issues and self-improvement. Learn more at markspsychiatry.com and visit my YouTube channel by simply searching Tracy Marks on YouTube. Now to today's topic. Today, I'm talking about when we do and don't use lithium for bipolar disorder. And this was based on a viewer question from Libby. And she asks, Dr. Marks, will you please talk about when is the best time to take lithium for bipolar? I've had it for years and my doctor never prescribed it. I heard it's the best treatment, but I've also heard it causes a lot of long-term problems. Can you also say what you think about lithium orotate? Thank you. Thanks, Libby, for this question. Yes, lithium is the first recommended treatment for bipolar disorder, but it's only when you have classic bipolar disorder. Classic bipolar disorder is when you have a clean separation between depressive episodes and manic episodes. A clean separation means that when one episode is over, you return to your baseline until the next episode comes, and you don't have lingering depression with anxiety mixed in. I've mentioned before that the real classic picture of bipolar disorder is that you have alternating episodes of mania and depression. But for lithium to be helpful, the episodes don't have to alternate, and that's probably not the majority of people anyway. There are people who have multiple manic episodes in a row, while others may have mostly depression with an occasional manic episode. But either way, in between, you're pretty free of symptoms other than the situational ups and downs of life. Lithium is not a good choice, though, when you have a mixture of mania and depression symptoms happening at the same time. And we call this bipolar disorder with mixed features. So you have the hyperarousal of mania where you're sped up, you may be impulsive, using poor judgment, irritable or angry, while also having at least three depressive symptoms along with your mania. In the case of mixed features, the recommended first choice is an antipsychotic medication like quetiapine. We use the second generation antipsychotic medications as mood stabilizers in bipolar disorder. One thing that lithium does that the other medications don't do as well is it reduces suicidal thinking. The only other medication that addresses this at a similar level is ketamine, which we use for treatment-resistant unipolar depression. And by the way, the depression in bipolar disorder is considered to be a different entity from the depression that you get with unipolar depression. So not everything that works for unipolar or major depression works for bipolar depression. So here's some side effects of lithium. Lithium can cause weight gain, tiredness, fuzzy thinking, similar to some of the other mood stabilizers, but lithium also has some side effects that can come along with long-term use. Lithium can cause your thyroid to malfunction such that you start to produce inadequate amounts of thyroid hormone. So some people who take lithium long-term eventually need thyroid supplementation. I've had some patients stop taking lithium because of this problem, and nothing seemed to work as well, though, as the lithium. Some of these patients chose to stay on lithium and just take thyroid supplementation. The second long-term side effect is to your kidneys. Everyone has some decline in kidney function as you get older, but long-term lithium use can accelerate this process. 
You can also get a condition called diabetes insipidus. And this is different from diabetes mellitus, where you get elevated blood sugars. With insipidus, your kidneys lose its ability to concentrate your urine. So you get frequent urination and excessive thirst. Diabetes insipidus can happen even within the first weeks to months of taking lithium. It usually resolves on its own, but it can persist in about 25% of people. Sometimes this problem can be helped by taking your lithium all at once at bedtime. If the problem still doesn't go away, though, then it's probably best to switch to a different mood stabilizer. If you catch it early, it's reversible, usually within weeks. Another way lithium can damage your kidneys is if it gets too concentrated in your blood. It can reach toxic levels and damage your kidneys. And so that's why it's important to have your lithium levels checked on a regular basis. And you have to make sure you stay hydrated. If you lose a lot of fluid from excessive sweating, diarrhea, or vomiting, watch carefully for signs of lithium toxicity. Early signs of lithium toxicity are tremor, slurred speech, feeling tired and weak. You can also get diarrhea and vomiting from the toxicity. If you start feeling this way, you should get yourself to an emergency room or urgent care to be evaluated. If you're on lithium, make sure all of your doctors know so that they can check any drug interactions from the medications that they prescribe. Also, if you have pain problems, watch your consumption of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications like Advil or Aleve. This class of medication can increase lithium levels. The last part of Libby's question is about lithium orotate. And this is a version of lithium that's available over the counter. It's a much lower dose than lithium that you get with a prescription. And the prescription versions are lithium carbonate and lithium citrate. Well, given all of what I just said about the risks of lithium, I don't know how people can feel comfortable taking it unmonitored. I realize it's a low dose, but because you can buy it on your own, you can take as much as you want. So what if one pill doesn't work well enough? How much more do you take? What will your level turn out to be if you do take more? What happens if you go to a picnic in the heat of the summer? You drink beer, you urinate a lot, you sweat a lot. What does your lithium level look like? How many people even know to check for that? So my opinion about lithium orotate is I think it's a bad idea to take on your own given the side effect risks. But as for the prescription lithium, yes, it comes with significant side effects, but it's still a tried and true treatment for classic bipolar disorder. But like anything, it's not guaranteed to work. And if you have mixed symptoms or you just don't want to take it, there are plenty of other options that you and your doctor can try. We generally do not use antidepressants in bipolar 1 disorder. Why? Because antidepressants are more likely to cause you to switch from depression into mania, thereby triggering mania. Or it can cause you to rapid cycle. That is, you can have a depressed episode that resolves and then quickly returns. And a quick return would be within weeks. So when you hear the term rapid cycling caused by antidepressants, It classically means switching between mania and depression, but it can also refer to rapidly returning episodes, even if that episode was the same as you had before. With bipolar 2 disorder, you get hypomania and depression instead of mania and depression. But the depression in bipolar 2 tends to be longer and more severe. And in general, we believe that people with bipolar 2 disorder 
can safely take antidepressants, especially if added to a mood stabilizer. And there are subgroups of people who can tolerate an antidepressant without a mood stabilizer, which is called monotherapy. We don't have a clear picture of what subgroup of people can handle the antidepressants well, but it can be related to how you experience hypomania. And let me explain what I mean by this. There's a couple of ways that hypomania can look. Sometimes you'll experience hypomania as a relief from the depression, but then you'll find that it doesn't last very long. So you celebrate the period of time that you're hypomanic because you have a lot more energy, you're productive, and you feel good about life. But then there's this foreboding fear of the depression that's to come. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, it's like saying winter is coming. Your pre-depression period becomes like fearing the Night King. But for some people, they fear the hypomania because instead of being filled with all this excitement, you can get racing thoughts that are dark and that you can't control. And we know from research that people with bipolar disorder are more anxiety sensitive than people with depression. So when you're hypomanic and your mind is racing, your thoughts can be filled with worry and out of control worry causes a lot of distress. These two different ways your hypomania can manifest affects whether or not you really want to use an antidepressant. If you have the happy hypomania that is typically followed by a long stretch of depression, you may respond better to taking an antidepressant several months after your hypomania resolves to help you get through the long winter. But if you have the more scary hypomania, you may be more sensitive to the antidepressant turning your state into a mixed manic state. With mixed mania, you have a combination of depression and mania occurring at the same time. It's like being agitated and distressed and depressed all at the same time. Here are some risk factors for antidepressants making you more unstable or causing switching. Having bipolar 1 disorder as opposed to bipolar 2 having mixed features during your depression, using tricyclic antidepressants like nortriptyline or amitriptyline. These medications are not as commonly used for depression as they used to be, but sometimes another doctor will put you on these medications to treat a pain disorder. Some doctors may even use them to help you sleep. So if you have bipolar disorder, especially bipolar 1 disorder, make sure your other doctors are aware of your diagnosis so that they don't add something that could destabilize you. Another risk factor for antidepressants making you more unstable is having a history of drug abuse, especially stimulant abuse like cocaine or even prescription stimulants. If you and your doctor decide to start an antidepressant during your depression, you should wait at least six months since your last hypomanic or mixed episode. And this is because you don't want to risk adding the antidepressant while you're still hypomanic. The antidepressant is only to be used when you're purely depressed. One approach to using an antidepressant during your depressed phase is to start the medication and wean off before a hypomanic episode returns. If you're on a mood stabilizer, you may never recognize when you become hypomanic. And this is where it can be very helpful to keep a life chart of your episodes. Track when you're manic and how long it lasted. When were you depressed and how long did it last? Then over time, you can see a pattern of how long you tend to be depressed and when you're manic. And then you and your doctor can plan out your treatment. Here's an example. 
Peggy has bipolar 2 disorder, and she tends to have a period of hypomania that lasts about one to two months. And then it usually starts in the spring around March, and she'll feel good until around early May. Then she'll start feeling a little dull, neither depressed nor hypomanic, and that will last through the summer. Then around the fall, she'll notice that she doesn't feel depressed, but she's not excited like she was at the beginning of the summer. Then by December, just before the holidays, she crashes, and she stays that way throughout the spring and doesn't feel well again until the next summer. Peggy notices that each year, the amount of time that she spends depressed seems to get longer and longer, but the hypomania still lasts between one and two months. If we take this information and deconstruct it, we can make medication adjustments to fit her pattern, at least as best we can. We would start with her hypomania. I wouldn't just let her rip through this period because she's told me that she's starting to get to the point where she spends more time feeling irritable and anxious and not sleeping well. So I would treat her hypomania with a mood stabilizer. Let's say I chose aripiprazole. She starts to feel more stable, but still a little bit elevated. And that's okay as long as she's not spinning out of control and she's sleeping well. Once things settle down after about six months, because of her pattern of eventually going into a depression, I would start an antidepressant and add it to her mood stabilizer. If she starts to feel too slowed down, I may remove the mood stabilizer and leave her only on the antidepressant. Together, we would watch for emerging manic symptoms to make sure that the antidepressant isn't destabilizing her and I would keep the antidepressant on for at least a year based on knowing her pattern of depression lasting for around a year or more. Then after the year mark, she and I will watch out for hypomanic symptoms. Her hypomania looks like lots of anxiety, racing thoughts, and not sleeping well. Before these symptoms come on, I would add back the mood stabilizer and taper off the antidepressant, probably over a couple of months so that it's not too fast. Now, this is not a template that can work for everyone's situation. This is just to illustrate how it can look managing bipolar 2 disorder using a combination of mood stabilizers and antidepressants and responding to your mood state at the time. Treatment for bipolar disorder is often very dynamic and requires changes depending on what's going on at the time. And the best thing you can do to help your treatment is to document your symptoms Keep a record of your symptoms, how long they last, and what they are. Write it down and take it to your doctor's appointment. This will give your doctor more information about what medications you need. That's it. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to submit ideas for shows, check out our website at arslongamedia, and that's A-R-S-L-O-N-G-A dot media, or send an email to info at arslonga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.